Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Park Scope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. Joining me, I, I don't want to say tonight. I realize I keep saying tonight, but you could be listening to this in the morning during your commute. So joining me for this show is Nick. Nick, how are you doing? It's a beautiful evening and nighttime here, Joe. <laughs> okay, we're just we're really putting down the time and place for this, aren't we? <laughs> we're cementing it. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Also joining us is Sean. Sean, how's Philly? The sun has gone down. I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> I am very comfortable. Nice. We have two we guests. Have in... What? Sorry, Nick. So we have a theme. Yeah. This is our thing now. Also joining us are two guests. Our first guest is Lane. Lane, how are you doing? Wonderful. I've finished dinner. I am in bed. <laughs> this is a wonderful evening. Thank you. <laughs> and also joining us is Mr. Len Testa from the Unofficial Guide series and touringplans.com. Len, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I uh, just took a my my had my hot cocoa for the evening and getting ready to watch some watch some television before, you know, nodding off. So <laughs> very nice. Got the slippers on, feet propped up, ready to go. <laughs> I feel like we're exactly. just like a bunch of car crashes are gonna occur because us people are like relaxing. <laughs> it's too early in the morning. <laughs> Jenkins, you're falling asleep again at your workstation. Sorry, sir. Um, so let's start off with some real quick news. Um, this is going to be a real weird hodgepodge of news. Um, we're recording this on the 11th. We're going to release this on the 18th, so we can keep that two-week schedule going. So if like Bob Iger is arrested for like a prostitution ring or something, and we don't cover it, that's Man. the reason why. Um, but if that does happen, we called it. Yeah. <laughs> special show, yeah. Yeah. A very Pretty special special park scope. Um, it's so, a Christmas musical. Yeah. Uh, first uh, topic, real quick, is it was reported in the Orlando Sentinel um, that the Circle of Life, an environmental fable, I believe is the full title, is now closed at the land, and we don't know if it's going to reopen or not. Um, this was that show that was there since like 1994, it started, 22 years ago. Um, when they originally redid the land, and that's where they did Symbiosis beforehand, and that's the awesome theater with the wall carpet. Um, mm. I don't know what to think. Like, maybe it's coming back. I don't care that much. It. I mean, the Len, do you know how popular sh- this show was, if it was popular at all? It's it's not popular anymore. The, um, the theater holds, you know, a, a huge amount of people. And if you sit in the Sunshine Seasons food court, you can see uh, people coming out of the bottom level of it. And it's usually no more than 100 or so people at a time. The, the only thing that might save it is the fact that with Interventions closed and Soren closed for a while, um, there's not a whole lot to do on that side of uh, the park. So it may come back for a little bit. But, and you think about what they're doing with Imagination, right? With uh, the, doing the, uh, the Pixar yeah. Short film previews there. There's not a whole lot of high high quality entertainment on that side of the park right now. That's that could true. that could be that could be good for Circle of Life. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of high quality entertainment in the park. I said this with uh, with Jim. We were Jim and I were in the parks last week. We were like, it's the world's largest food court and bar. <laughs> That's pretty much Epcot. Hundred dollar cover charge. And I love Epcot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think they'll put a new show in? Will they leave it empty? Um, Len or anyone else? I mean, I think it's definitely because. Oops, sorry, Len first. Yeah, Triples. <laughs> I mean, I think I think a new film is definitely possible. They'd have to find the right uh, 
the right property. It may, it may not be uh, yeah, Timon and Pumbaa again because Lion King hasn't been done in a while. And uh, you know the kids that, that first saw that now have kids of their own. So mm. yeah, um, Lane, what were you saying? Uh, I think Triple Soren will take up all the every every piece of show they want to do. Somebody's going to be on Triple Soren tucked back there. So yeah. Soren should cubed. cover everyone. Uh, Sean, what are you going to yeah. say? Maybe they can finally get Wally to do something. Just put a Wally uh, movie in there. I mean, it fits. Same, same general idea. Yeah, it fits. It works. Wally, the story after they land. There you go. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it has to, it has to fit in the land, uh, the land theme. So, uh, assuming they can do that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine with it being updated. I mean, it's been too long. I didn't realize it had been there since '94. Wow. Yeah, that was when they originally did it, and they made it living with the land, and they added food or rocks. They had that too, so crazy. Uh, Nick, any thoughts? Uh, Wally would be cool, but I mean, whatever. It's, I mean, I like Circle <laughs> of Life. I, I always have liked it, but you know, it's time. I mean, it would be a good spot for Avatar, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> go go from a one billion dollar land to a small attached theater in the land pavilion. I'd be okay with this. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, next story real quick. As, uh, this week, they announced that Universal Orlando is increasing the prices of uh, single-day and two-day park hopper tickets. Um, I believe the ticket prices are going up $3 for one-day tickets and substantially more for the uh, two-day tickets. Um, I mean, it's not really that surprising that tickets went up again, but it seems like they're doing uh, twice-a-year ticket price increases now. Um, any thoughts on that, Sean? When did they do the last one? Well, uh, when did they do the last one? I think Disney's going to more like a two-year cycle, but I forget when Universal raised it last. Yeah, I don't know. It's way... As an annual pass holder, it doesn't really affect me. Um, listen, if they keep increasing the prices and they keep building me new attractions, I don't care. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Um, like, I feel bad for people, but I mean, I don't know. I, I at this point, I just expect it to happen. I, I I'm I, I can't care anymore about uh, price increases. Yeah, um, Len, do you think this will actually have an impact, or do like people not buy that many one day tickets? Is like that kind of part of the tourism crowd going? Is it? Does that make sense? Yeah, I had heard that the the two day park ticket was actually their most popular, so it makes sense that they uh, they raised it on on that and the one day, which is probably their next most popular. Um, but you know, the the big difference I think with the Universal price increase and what we see with with Disney is, you look at what Universal's done over the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, new rides, new shows, they're building new um, new hotels. They're they've completely redone CityWalk. You know, three percent a year. You know, I'm fine with that. Five percent a year. You know, no, no problem. That's just the cost of you know better entertainment. But if you look at like Disney, where you know, they finally said that they they might be interested in buying it and building a new hotel. You know, uh, after how many years of not building anything other than DVCs, it's harder to uh, it's harder to take that. Uh, the price increases for Disney, you know, especially with. Well, we'll see. I mean, Disney's going to increase their prices this this month too. But you know, it, it's going to be it's difficult to rationalize what's going on at the studios or Epcot or 
Animal Kingdom right now and say that that's definitely worth the you know the three or five percent that Disney's going to raise the prices. Yeah, and I mean, sure, like Universal Studios Florida has closed rides and they're building new ones, but Hollywood Studios closed rides and they've been sitting untouched for eighteen months now. <laughs> hey, now they just started. Okay, <laughs> this will be. We actually have. Uh, it's an interesting uh, question. My uh, my daughter's starting school in September college. Will she will she finish college before Star Wars Land is done? Probably four years. Ooh. That's a good I one. Don't know. It's, gonna yeah, be, that's, it's gonna be it's gonna be close. It's gonna be, it's gonna be tight. Yeah, I mean, like like you it's know, twenty twenty. Mm. Yeah, like let's hope Hannah doesn't go to summer school because that'll be you know then there's no way. Right? <laughs> so good news, honey. We bought you CDs. So when they mature, we're gonna go to Disney World. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of uh, things that close at the studios, did you guys? Uh, is anyone lamenting the uh, the closure of Club Disney? I don't think I, no. if a, if an attraction opens and nobody goes there and it closes, did it actually happen? Does like <laughs> did it make a noise? Exist? Yeah, did it ever exist? <laughs> that's just, that's just the amazing thing to me. It was open for like a month, <laughs> if that. Well, they clearly they clearly just built it to have a theater right there. Yeah. So like the fact they opened and closed an attraction without us really caring or knowing or going just means that they were trying to build a vent space theater in that spot. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the, since uh, I think we all knew that, right? Yeah. We, yeah, we knew it was going to be an event space, and that's good because that when um, but there are so few things to do that when uh, cheerleading groups come in and had previously wanted to use the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular, there's no way with there's no way that they can close that now with so few people or so, with so few attractions mm-hmm. in the park. So they'll just shuttle those people over to there, I guess. There's also a little bit of news that they're actually opening a dedicated cheerleading section of the Disney Wide World of Sports. From what I, I saw, they're actually building. Yeah. They're building a uh, like a conference center, like a yeah. really big warehouse just to pound out cheerleading competitions. Like, how many big events can we put in this big event building? Yep, that thing could be huge. Bring them in like a factory and just let them cheer, and then push them back out <laughs> like a Ford factory line. <laughs> they hold up the cards nine, 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 ten. Get out. Uh, done. <laughs> done. <laughs> Here's your medal. Go to go to go to Epcot. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, what, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, we were talking about Universal Orlando price increases, and now we're on Hollywood Studios. What a surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, Drew brought up the, the point a while ago about how if someone was going to Universal for the first time, he can't see them coming back with the price. But, you know, and also um, Fallon was closed, and Beetlejuice just closed, and then Disaster closed. Um, but also the issue was like he went there when it was like 30 degrees out. So all the water rides were just like out of commission. Yeah. So, well, uh, I, I, I love Drew, but he's also not a Harry Potter fan. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah that, that's like going on to Hollywood <laughs> studios and saying, I don't know why anyone would come here without having a, if they didn't like star Wars. It's like, well, everyone likes yeah. star Wars <laughs> in some capacity. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, again, I'm not a huge fan of them always increasing prices, but it's easier to swallow when a new ride opens as opposed to just opening yeah. next year or the year after or something. But yeah, that's exactly it. If they, if you if if you're if you're being shown some effort, right? Yeah. Then you you can understand it, and I think that's really what it comes down to. It's a great observation. Yeah. Um, next up, real quick, uh, we have the walls came down today at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. So what? They're a couple, they're a couple months early on the. Uh... Because they're soft opening tomorrow, guy. Uh, our, our guy, guy, is going. 
Yeah, that's the rumor. <laughs> um, that's yeah. I haven't confirmed that with um, some of my people, my peeps at Inside Universal. But mm. when this drops, we'll know who's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also, sounds like it's going to be tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the walls are down. Yeah. They just have to remove like one of those cherry pickers from in like underneath the uh, Owl Emporium, and uh, they're good uh, to go. I, I, yeah, I heard. I mean, by, by the time this, this drops, this podcast drops, it'll be open. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not too yep. surprised um, that it's open in February. It sounded like they've been ready for a while. They just needed to start training and getting stuff done. So. It's good to hear, um, especially since they're not gonna, like, aren't like a lot of the passes gonna like lapse at the end of this month or something, or am I something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's know. before they. It was something on. with the, the that new price hike or whatever, and they were getting rid of the parking and all that stuff was the end of the month or something like that. Yeah, and, and the uh, blackout. I can't believe days. they got rid of the parking. Yeah, seven, seventeen. Know, the guy crazy. was telling me seventeen dollars a day to park and no, no, um, no break for AP holders. I'm what I my yeah, that's crazy. what I think is going to happen is what they what happened like this past month or so was like they had blackout dates and then all of a sudden Universal sent an email saying just kidding open to all annual passes so I think they're just being cautious and after like if in the middle of the summer they realize hey we're not getting you know because I remember the, remember the famous Disneyland oh, story yeah, yeah. was. Yeah. The one annual pass holder leaves work, drives his single-person car into the parking lot designed for families of four or more, and all of a sudden they have no parking spaces. So, right. you know, mm-hmm. m- maybe they realize that they have enough parking, so then they open it up to the highest tier or something. I don't know. They yeah, could always ro- that's right. You could always roll it back. It's harder to reinforce it yeah. then, I guess. Maybe maybe for the summer while it's, uh, while it's still new. That's a great that's, – that, that, now that you said that, that's, that's totally what's going to happen. Yeah, or like, hey, you know, during the weekdays – Free parking, or right? Something, yeah. Even then, yeah. Between like, eight and eight and five, or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like pass holder appreciation month. Free parking. <laughs> <laughs> We're giving you what you used to have. Appreciate it, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything, uh, Sean Lane? Any thoughts on the uh, Wizarding World walls coming down? WWW. It's exciting for them. Yeah, good. Good for the West Coast. <clears throat> almost their, their Universal Park is almost there. <laughs> You can, send, you can send hate mail to Sean at. Um, and our last little, our last it's, little. It's, it's I think cute. It's, they have that. They have that little tram. It's it's adorable. What were we gonna say, Len? Sorry, I was gonna say. Um, it shows you though, because they're a couple months ahead of schedule, right? Yeah. It shows you how much money Universal can throw at the problem. Yeah to get it built early that they know it's going to be a hit and they're like look i don't care what it costs if you know if we have to run three construction shifts a day 24 <laughs> hours a day even with the overtime we'll still make the money up in buckets so no you know go ahead and do it yeah. I, I think it's just smart it's just a completely different approach to things you know a sense of yeah. urgency yeah not worrying about spreading it across multiple um uh financial quarters yeah. and stuff yeah yeah um and our last bit of news um i think this was earlier this week um, he, uh, I think it was entertainment.com or something or whatever. Uh, they had a video preview of the 60th anniversary special for Disneyland, which I'm looking forward to, oddly enough. Um, we don't get enough of those really good uh, theme park specials anymore. You know, like the one they had for Diagon Alley or those kinds of things. Like, mm. you, you remember the old opening specials for, like, Animal Kingdom with Drew Carey running around and all that stuff? Yep. Um, we don't get the those. The Indiana Jones one. The Indiana Jones one. Uh, Oh, that one was great. The uh, 35th anniversary with, like, Tony Danza in it and stuff. (laughs) 
those those were classics um so uh in the special they showed a few set they were like they showed Harrison Ford and did they have audio saying that they were going to show Star Wars stuff because it, yeah. they believe um yeah they said that so they showed what we think may be on-ride test footage of a Millennium Falcon attraction um for yeah, the new Star like, Wars like land um, there's rumors that they were gonna announce more Star Wars news and info, but we kind of thought maybe it was just them regurgitating the D23 presentation since not everyone's exposed to it. But maybe we're actually getting new info, and I mean it's been a long rumor that it, one of the attractions is Millennium Falcon ride based on the uh, Avatar ride system. So, um, Len, what are your thoughts on it? It's it's gonna be a so when I heard screens, I wasn't sure whether it was gonna be like. Um, Forbidden Journey or uh, Escape from Gringotts, or whether it's gonna be like Soren. You know, if it's if it's if it's more like Soren, I mean, my my big concern would be that that would be the third ride using that technology. Yeah, which is fine. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I guess I would like that better than an Escape from Gringotts style ride. I think the thing with with Star Wars though in Disney is they have to go big on this sort of thing. It has to be novel. It has to be groundbreaking. You know, it has to be something where we look back at this, you know, in 2020 when we're recording another show and we're like, ah, the wait was totally worth it because this is a revolutionary new ride. And, you know, we'll be I telling the kids about the first time we went like on. That. Sorry, Sean. We'll st- I think the other ride is going to be the, the big showstopper. That's, and that's the, fine. I mean, I mean, yeah. If it is, it's fine. I mean, I'm a little disappointed that, uh, that Avatar is, you know, going to be soaring over Avatar. Um, <laughs> Which, uh, would, and if they do this a third time, I think you know Disney will will rightfully get criticized for not being imaginative with its ride systems. But speaking of Avatar, do you guys realize that if, by combining a boat ride and a Soren ride in um, in Animal Kingdom, they've essentially recreated the Land Pavilion in the Animal Kingdom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually made <laughs> yep. this comment maybe before. Maybe that's where Circle of Life is going. Yeah, we we actually <laughs> made that comment before you you joined. We're like that's just like. We're just throwing two rides in a building and just putting rocks on it. It's like it's the Disney motto. <laughs> um, from what I hear, though, about Avatar that's a little different is that this is going to be a way more thrilling attraction than Soren is. Yeah, I heard more movement. Yeah, it's a different ride system, too. Yeah, so I think it'll be similar, but still really different. Yeah. yeah, so I, I heard that's why they ha- they're they really pushing for that boat ride, because they want something that the whole family can do. So And that makes sense. Yeah. Screw the whole family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sh- yeah. <laughs> oh, sh- shush. <laughs> Quiet, Sean. So, um, any last thoughts, uh, Nick or Lane, on the uh, Millennium Falcon attraction? I thought the whole point of Soren was to get everybody on it. Well, I so mean... If you made for- it more rough for Avatar, then that just takes away from your big ride that you can get everybody on. Yeah, and especially since it seems like the Avatar ride system is going to be like four different theaters mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's like uh less capacity so they have, to have more theaters or what but it's really bizarre have they confirmed have they confirmed four uh they haven't confirmed uh, four that. but like they had like leaked plans from like 2012 <laughs> that have like shown oh. four theaters so okay. we've always kind of assumed that okay but um any other news you guys you can think of because I'm, I'm, that's all really popped up. Kinda, am I? Am I the only one that just kind of feels like that the Millennium Falcon ride is like 
the ride that you have to do, so that's like not as interesting to me as the other stuff. It's like you have like I, that I don't an know obligation. About it. it is kind of the obvious ride, right? Yeah. 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 So I guess I, I just you, don't, you just don't know enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, Escape from Gringotts was an obvious ride once you saw the film, uh, but you know it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I think we'll see. I think the. I mean, the two rides that that the big rumors are for Star Wars is the Millennium Falcon uh, simulation ride, and then also the trackless shooter. Um, first order, no, not the first order. Uh, Rebel One. Um, yeah, Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One. Escape from the. No, it's uh, not Rogue One. What it's, is it? It's the Resistance versus the the uh, First Order. I thought it was Rogue first One. Order. You're escaping with the planet no. of the Death Star. No. Oh, no. Never mind. <laughs> I always thought that was a much better idea. Anyway, so oh well, never mind. But yeah, it was a um still some sort of um attraction where it's trackless, dark ride. And all sorts of cool stuff. So that one's always seen more interesting. But yeah. So um, let's get on to our main topics. Uh, we brought Len on this week uh, to discuss uh, two new books from the Unofficial Guide series. We have um, Disney Cruise Line 2016 and also a book for Washington, D.C. Um, also, Ooh. Lane is our senior correspondent for Disney Cruise Line for Parkscope. <laughs> so Lane ha- is also joining us with this conversation. Um, <laughs> So, Len, uh, this is the first time you guys have done a Disney Cruise Line book. Uh, why would you recommend the Disney Cruise Line, and what's different about it versus, like, a Royal Caribbean that I went on a long time ago with my family? Uh, so there's a couple of things. One is the, the service and the attention to detail on a Disney cruise, and the theming especially, are better than you get on any, almost any other cruise line. Um, the, the kids clubs on Disney are unparalleled within the industry. They're vastly different and vastly better experiences, um, than on Royal Caribbean. And that's not, not to take away anything from Royal Caribbean. It's just that Disney does that much better a job. In fact, we actually say this in, uh, in part one of the book, we say, look, Royal, Royal Caribbean, Caribbean is probably the main competitor for Disney. And here's a set of criteria that you should go through to determine whether, you want to pay the premium for a Disney cruise or you want to go on Royal Caribbean. And, and one of the first things we say is, look, if you've got kids and they're going to be spending any amount of time in the kids' clubs, go with Disney. And that's, that's the, the end of this flow chart. You're done, <laughs> right? This, the decision has been made for you. One decision um, tree. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, one, 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 uh, one level deep on the decision tree. But the other thing that I really love about the Disney cruise line is – well, actually, it's two things. One is they look like actual classic cruise ships. Um, I love Royal Caribbean. I've been on a couple of ships. They are attractive. They are modern. They all feel like you're on a floating mall, but a really nice mall, like a Galleria-type floating mall, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Disney, you get to feel like you're actually on a ship. The, the other thing is the theming, and I'll, I'll, give, this, I'll give this classic example. Um, on Royal Caribbean, most of their bars are uh, sort of on the promenade, and, and you, know, you can go in and grab a drink, and they're, they're, they're very attractive, but... This one champagne bar that I was in on, I think it was the Allure. You know, when I'm in the champagne bar, I am drinking French champagne, and uh, Bruce Springsteen is playing over the the, the music system. <laughs> Whereas if you go into, uh, you know, Disney bar, Pink. it's a French, 
Yeah, if you go into Pink or if you go into Ulala, you have you know either Edith, Edith Piaf, a famous French singer, or you know at the very at the very least Frank Sinatra, which is what you want in a bar. So the theming and the attention to detail there is vastly different. I also think the food is better um, in the main dining rooms on Disney. Interesting. Um, I'm going to take an offense. The boss is always acceptable. You know, it's, <laughs> it's true. In a, in a champagne bar. Yeah. I'm kidding. The, uh, I think he was followed by Bon Jovi, and I'm like, okay, well. Oh, <laughs> no, that's never acceptable. <laughs> Are you sure you're not in the New Jersey bar? <laughs> yeah, right. I, so is this a champagne? Yes, yeah, a ripple. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but that's why. I think they do a great job. And that said, I mean, a Disney cruise can be twice as much as a Royal Caribbean cruise. Mm-hmm. And they all go to the same ports. So, you know, if you're, if you're mostly concerned with where you're going and how much sun you're going to get during the day, then, you know, Royal Caribbean is a valid option. But um, we just did uh, Concierge on the Dream. Lane, have you ever done that? I have not done Concierge on the cruises yet. Oh, my, you will never go back, dude. You should do it. Save up. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to. I need to. We're doing Europe this year. Oh, wait, wait, Concierge wait, wait, is on the list. Which, uh, are you doing a European cruise? Yes, we're doing the so we delayed our honeymoon a year so we could go Disneyland Paris half marathon and one of these seven day European cruises out of Barcelona. Nice. So oh, I got those so two fun. backed up together with French wine country during the week. Oh, man, trip of a lifetime, man. That's awesome. Yeah, September twenty sixteen. That's fantastic. Have you? Have you? Are you? You're married now, right? I, I can't. I am get married this. as of this okay. uh, six months. Uh, congratulations! All right, fair enough. Uh, if you, uh, I actually have a in the book. I actually have a walking tour of Barcelona. Go ahead and uh, follow it. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we'll you'll, you'll love Barcelona. But um, concierge, concierge, yeah, concierge. You got to do it. Uh, we, we, first of all, it's it, it it's uh, not not that many people do it, but the service is so far beyond what you're, what I was used to. Um, let me, again, let me put this in context. I just spent a week at, at hotels, fifty dollars and under, for the unofficial guide, and <laughs> which so, I totally want to cover a little bit okay. <laughs> later. <laughs> so you know, I am I am not you know recklessly spending the company's money, but we did we did concierge because we'd never done it before. And we actually picked a week last December when it was the cheapest week of the year to do concierge. And dude, I am never going back. <laughs> the service is excellent. You can you can order food from the main dining rooms. And have it delivered to your room. But the funny thing is, and this is what blew my mind, right? The waiter will stand outside your room and periodically come in and check to make sure that you're, you're done with your course. And oh, if soon as you're, he'll bring the next one in. And then they'll clean it up and take it away. <laughs> it was, Guys, I was like, what? I can do what? Someone's going to do what for me? Oh, my God. That <laughs> was fantastic. While you're out there, can you do my taxes? I know, right? <laughs> and the room was fantastic. The water pressure in the suites is – I'm, water pressure is my thing when I go to hotels. It, you know, if, if you don't have good water pressure, it's like, it's like taking a cat bath, right? You're licking yourself to get clean. But the water pressure on this was, was like it was coming straight out of the engine room. Like you could put fires out with this stuff. It was beautiful. <laughs> oh my. And, then, so, and I stayed in the concierge area because it's right by the spa. They bring out – there's food 24 hours a day. There's yeah, there's alcohol 24 hours a day. They have the best espresso machine. At one point, I decided to go out onto the deck. I think I went to Cove, like to get a magazine, and I walk out and there's, and there's I mean people are you know, people are running around and it's hot. Kids are screaming. I mean everyone's having fun, right? But you open the door, it's like, am I in Calcutta? What what happened here? What? 
what, what did I? It's all God. Never mind. I'm going back. It was fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound. I know this sounds terrible, right? But I will. I will never do another Disney cruise, not concierge. It's beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. Yeah, Lane, you have to do it now. I can't oh, imagine but... something being that nice because what y'all don't understand is like a Disney cruise trip that I've done is that much exceedingly nicer than a Disney World trip. So like <laughs> outside of like staying Grand Floridian concierge, whatever. Like it's a very nice, hey, this guy will take care of me. Hey, this place is clean and this is like the food's good. The pools are kind of quiet. So just like another doubling of the nice concierge experience uh, my, it would be amazing. I can't even imagine. It was it was incredible. So, just to put this in perspective, though, the cost is sort of breathtaking. So it was <laughs> essentially a thousand dollars a day mm-hmm. uh, for two people. So four thousand dollars for a four night cruise. Again, a Which lot is, of. Money. Isn't that what you said Alani was about that? Yes. I mean, I, well, actually, Laurel didn't tell me how much Alani was. She was like, "You don't want to know. It will, it will, it will, it will ruin your enjoyment of Alani if you know how much it costs." I'm like, "That's fine." And I loved Alani. I thought it was beautiful. Um, but you know, the, the, speaking of Disney Cruise, the thing I really liked was the uh, Wonder to Alaska out of Vancouver. Of all the cruises I've taken recently, and, and again, setting aside the the concierge thing, that was an amazing cruise. And, and you know what they did really well, and it was a subtle thing, but it completely made the trip. They changed the background music. That they play on the ship. Now, normally, day, when you're good day to day, every day, yeah. So okay. you know, normally you're on a Caribbean cruise. They're doing Bob Marley, a lot of Jimmy Buffett, you know, stuff like that. Here they played essentially the soundtrack from the Wilderness Lodge. Oh, nice. So lots of like stuff from the Magnificent Seven, a lot of Aaron Copeland. It just completely changed the tenor of the trip. And not only that, but I mean, the scenery is just gorgeous. You're you know you're essentially in a in a uh, a fjord between towering mountains, all you know, green and everything, and mm-hmm. you don't get that in the Caribbean at all. It was it was amazing. I would totally do Alaska again. That sounds awesome. Um, so, Len, how was um, create? I, I know this is the first uh, Disney Cruise Line book you guys have created. Um, mm-hmm. How was creating the book different, and also oddly the same uh, than like creating a theme park book for you know Universal Orlando or Walt Disney World yeah. or Disneyland? There's um. There's a lot of stuff that's the same. There's a you know, we have a section on planning before you leave home, which talks about you know you need to get passports and um, you know documentation and stuff like that, and what's in and not in each uh, stateroom that you have, and that stuff is all is all fairly straightforward. Uh, and we describe each of the staterooms in detail, just like we do in the book with the different um, hotel rooms. But because the ship is self-contained and there's no chance for you to go you know go outside the ship. We spent a lot of time focusing on, in detail, on the individual restaurants and really every bar and all of the activities. And and we spent a lot of time on Castaway Key, which I think is the best island in the Caribbean, hands down. <laughs> nice. Um, Lane, do you have any questions? I mean, you're the one who's done the Disney Cruise Line and a cruise most recently for us. So I have comments that will lead to Lynn telling stories of questions, ideally. Um, <laughs> All right. I, I really did like the layout, the way you have it set up. Uh, you should get this book before booking cruises because yeah. there's this cool list of pros and cons per uh, set of destinations and even maybe per port where it's like, here's where the advantages of the situation. Here's the disadvantages of this. Um and luckily, all the pros and cons matched up with what I had already planned. But that was a nice touch. Uh, okay, this is funny. Joe, I don't know how much you've read of it. A lot of the blurbs are in Lynn's voice. So, like, 
some of the <laughs> little known facts yes. are like snarky Lynn going, go here now because the food will be better and the people are nicer right now. It's just like little fun tips that from listening to listen to podcasts enough that you can just hear Lynn go, this is what you want to do. <laughs> it's true. We had, we had a lot of fun doing this. I was, uh, our co- my co-authors were uh, uh, Laurel and uh, Aaron Foster and Richie Halpin did a lot of uh, organization stuff and each of them um, you, you can tell the tone that they have on, on each of them. So Laurel did like the bangs for the buck thing, which which was spot on. I think that's that's a fantastic little section. It tells you like, you know, because cruises are expensive, but you know if you're going to spend the money, this is where you get your best return on the investment. And then um, Aaron did the port guides, which I really liked. And the the thing about the port guides that was good was that you, you know we 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 tell people. In the ports, especially if you're in the Caribbean or in Mexico, look, you can get that that Coors Light beach towel in in any port that Disney goes to in the Caribbean. You know, don't you don't have to buy it first, but you know, if there's something special that you want, here's where to go to get it. The um, the other thing is, did you see Lane the uh, the warning that we had to put in for uh, for NASA? No, I did. Dude, not. so we so up. we're finishing up the book right in in October and. Did, uh, the State Department, U.S. State Department, puts out this warning that says, uh, by the way, the murder rate in Nassau is so high that we, we recommend you not go you know, any, anywhere that, that you don't see other tourists. Hmm. Essentially, what they said was, so this is, we had to do some digging on it, but the, the Canadian Tourism Department, or State Department, did the same thing. The, the murder rate in Nassau is eight times what it is in New York City. It's, <laughs> it's, it's comparable to... Syria or Iraq. <laughs> so Jesus. we told people, just don't get off the ship. I know, right? I know. Think about that. Think about that. So we're like, just don't get off the ship. And then, uh, so that's actually kind of challenging. It's also challenging for Disney because, you know, they, they can't say, you know, hey, we're contractually obligated to bring you to this port, but dear God, don't get off the ship, whatever you do. Um, but, you know, you'll see them things like, oh, you know, today we're going to open up Apollo for anyone who wants to stay on the ship and, you know. We're bring out all these characters for anyone who wants to stay on the ship, and we'll be we'll be scattering chocolate in the lobby three feet deep for anyone who wants to stay on the ship. You know, stuff like that. Mickey will be tossing out a hundred dollar bills at, exactly. at one yeah. in three. Mickey's gonna make it rain in the deal. <laughs> I've been on a I've been on three on the Disney Dream, and I've gotten off at Nassau zero times. It is the best day to sit by the adult pool because the Caribbean's beautiful. You can see it. Well, look, there's Nassau, but nobody's trying to sell me weed. Nobody's trying to steal anything. That's Jamaica, dude. That's Jamaica. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. I mean, and and you gotta wonder, like, like what's it gonna take for Disney to stop going to Nassau? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't they know. pump people into that, that though. Oh, they're there almost every day. And you wonder, like, I guess like, Freeport doesn't have the deep water ports to allow it. I guess you can't go to Freeport. But you need a Havana. Oh. Tell me you wouldn't be on the Havana. ship to Havana. Laurel, Laurel would be on the first Disney cruise to Havana. Yeah, it'll be me and Laurel. Just waiting yeah. to go smoke cigars, drink coffee. It would totally go. You know, I'll jump in on that. I want, to see, <laughs> I want to see Lane in like a Cuban suit. <laughs> I might Canada. have one. That's what you don't like, know. In like their 1940s cars. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's ambiance, man. It's, at, it's atmosphere. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Oh, could you, can you? I mean, the first time you won't you won't even be able to. to the phone will melt uh-huh. on the when they when they announce yeah. Cuba. Jesus. I hope they bring one of the big ships though. I hope it's the the dream or the fantasy. That'd be great. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, that'd be fantastic. That that would be cool. That would that would be one of those things that would make me go on a Disney cruise. I'm like, oh, Cuba. They should totally do it. I mean, there's, 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 still, there's still great cruises. I would love to see them bring one of the big ships to Europe um, because the big ships are so much better. There's so much more stuff to do on them. The, I think but, they have to build – they've got to build the two more big ships because right now with the way they just rep out nearly full – Three day, four day, seven days out of Port Canaveral. You know, it's basically heard, like yeah. that's a whole nother set of theme parks. I've heard I've heard rumors that they're they're getting close and it's coming down to the um, things like I mean literally the price of steel is one of the major decisions mm-hmm. in figuring out whether you when when to build a ship. And so they're they're working on that. But I've heard rumors from people that said, you know, look, they're you know, we got a request from Disney to price out, you know, uh, hotel room fixtures on a on a new ship. So Mm-hmm. Maybe well, the con- I heard the contract when they bought the Dream and Fantasy was a four ship contract. Is it? Yeah, I think uh, Jim said that. Is it? They priced doing four when they cranked those two out. Mm. There's two more like them ready to go. When, when like you said, steel prices make sense. And yeah, labor prices make sense with that German stockyard. It's right. It's in that it, German, the German economy is it's probably the sticking point. I love by the way yeah. that we're we're talking about this, but the fact that wages haven't gone down in Germany enough. Yeah, is is because I mean, because raw materials are, are relatively inexpensive right now. So maybe it is this, mm-hmm. the German economy. Damn it, Angela Merkel, you're preventing me from getting a cruise ship. She's <laughs> <laughs> too productive. Yeah. Damn, damn them from preventing Europe from falling into financial crisis. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, can we just build these in Greece? Can <laughs> come on, guys. Nope. No, nope. you want to go on. You want to go on a Greek. That's a good point. You definitely want to be on a ship made by people who do ball bearings. Yeah, <laughs> last, exactly. <laughs> last, know, time that, last time they were good at building boats, they went to invade Troy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is great. <laughs> so, Lane, do you have any other uh, questions? Uh, did that? Uh, oh, I, I was going to ask how much smaller is the smaller ships than the bigger ships? Like the pool on the Magic looks very tiny. And a near infantile adult pool, is it that much smaller? It's about a third smaller. the 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 oh, okay. the big ships The big ships hold about four thousand people. The small ships hold about twenty seven hundred. So, depending on how you look at it, the big ships are fifty percent larger than the small ships, or the small ships mm-hmm. are third smaller than the big ships. And you can you can definitely feel it, uh, especially if you've done time on the big ships. You know, it's like I wish there was one more thing to do, one more restaurant to go to, yeah. or game to play, something like that. Um, and I, I really can't understate the advantage of having Apollo and a Remy, especially on a five or seven night cruise. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. See, I haven't been to Remy yet. That's, that's, a, that's on the to-do list for 2017. Yeah, yeah you got to do it. Uh, Apollo's freaking awesome, you guys. It is maybe worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> the really Apollo good. brunch it up. The brunch, the brunch is the best thing. It's true. And it's like four meals worth of food. Oh my do you, god! Do you want I mean, breakfast? Like do you want bagels? You wake up, you go to you go to brunch, you come home, you nap till like four o'clock, you get up, eat again. It's like the best day ever. <laughs> best so day nice. ever. Better than Sanaa, better than Citricos, better than all those places. Ah, uh, dude, that's a uh, that's a pretty good buffet there. Yeah, yeah, and they'll cook like extra fresh stuff. Like, hey, do you yeah. want a breakfast pizza? Do you want me to make you a handmade omelet? Do you want? Yes to all of these things, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, I I had five plates of food. The first time I went to Paulo Brunch. And the thing is, it's like you don't even feel the least bit bad about it because everyone around you is doing the same thing. Oh, awesome. One in Rome, I guess. America. 
<laughs> what cup you take? I'll take the lot. Exactly. <laughs> Please, yes. sir, don't take the steam trays. <laughs> Hi, sir. I'm the quality assurance inspector. I need a, a sample of everything you have. <laughs> exactly. Give me your finest wines and champagnes. I got one more question. <laughs> Lynn, uh, you've been on the longer trips. How how uh, formal is formal night? You know, it varies. Uh, what do you be- wear? Uh, I wore Armani, like any okay. civilized man would. What? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> How is that even a question? What? <laughs> no, just kidding. I, um, you know, people will wear, you know, some people don't dress up. Um, some people do. I... Uh, did I tell you about my Armani thing? I started doing this when I was like in the last couple of years. But essentially, um, men my age and kids, nobody dresses up for the office anymore. So you can get consignment Armani for next to nothing. And if you have a really good tailor, it it's 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 you could I mean you could get stuff for like you know one like three percent of what Armani regularly costs. So I started a collect, getting a collection of essentially Armani suits. Because I like Armani, and uh, and so I, I bring those on the cruise. And it's like when you know when when, when the time comes to get rid of them, like I paid a hundred dollars for this suit. That's fine. But yeah, that's ridiculous. No, but I mean, but but the thing is, it's like it, it, it's a, it's a social trend, right? I mean, mm-hmm. guys our age don't dress up anymore, and because they don't, there's all this really nice clothing for formal events that's floating around, you know, consignment places for for relatively inexpensive. So yeah, I yeah, but for formal night, I mean. Some people I've seen tuxes. I think a tux is a little overboard. Although I've worn, I've worn one once. Um, I, you know, a nice suit. I uh, typically uh, do not go with a tie. I eschew the ties, and go with a nice Hermes um, ascot or a okay. pocket square uh, to make it more nautical. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> Captain's uh, hat and a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I've, one day See, I get to wear. wear I got to wear my formal suit for. Formal night for Apollo and for gambling in Monte Carlo, so you got to get a good mix of the three. You know, you should. Why do you pick up a, a sport a sport coat though for uh, for the cruise? And just just rock it. Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I, I again, I have an Armani one, but it's a black and white small checkers, and it's it's just interesting enough that if people look at it, they're like, oh, that's an interesting thing, you know, up close. But it's not where you know, it's not like you're going to wear like a you know, a lime green Versace suit. <laughs> you know, into Monte Carlo, but yeah, take a look at it, and I'll uh, do it, take take a look at, at at Armani. It's it's good stuff. All right, I'll gander. <laughs> I have to look Lane. too. I'm in the I'm in I'm shopping for a suit too for various reasons. So, hmm. Lane, you, Lane, you can't uh, not wear your party shirt when, in Monte Carlo. <laughs> oh, it'll be it'll be something fun. <laughs> the the part the party naked shirt, you know. <laughs> the, no, no, his Marvel party shirt. The sleeves are like Marvel pattern. Then he's got it's a regular tuck shirt. When he wears his jacket, takes it off. He's got the sleeves. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I bought him last year because we went to like four or five weddings, and when you're standing up like at the church in your tux, it doesn't look like you have anything crazy on. And then when you take it off for the party, I have one with Marvel and one with like parrots and cocktails underneath the sleeves, and just everybody freaks out because it's just That's not something beautiful. you see every day. Yes. <laughs> Yes, do that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. A- anything else, Lane? That's all for me. I'm quite happy. Uh, Nick, Sean, got any questions for the Disney Cruise Line for Len? No, I'm good. You're good? Yeah. Oh, I can pitch one more thing under Lynn's. Why should people go on a cruise argument or go on the Disney Cruise? He has a section on why adults should go, and my summation of it is because they have four or five levels dedicated to children, and they hide them all there. 
<laughs> they take all of the kids and they put them on these decks, and you don't really have to see them if you choose not to. It's an amazing it, thing. But it's a selling point. Again, going back to the bars on Royal Caribbean, you know, they're all sort of in the, the promenade area and they're open. So you'll have kids running in. And, and I mean, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing like a, a rambunctious child to ruin a good cocktail, right? I mean, yeah. Get out of here, kid. You bother me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, Nick, you have any questions? Sorry, I didn't hear you respond. Uh, no, I'm, all, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Um, let's move on to our uh, next real quick topic. Uh, Len, also, you guys released an update to your Washington, D.C. book. Yeah, this one hasn't been done since uh, 2011. I'm super excited about uh, yeah. about I, this one. I had one of the original unofficial guides yeah. to DC back when it was like a purplish cover or something like that. I forget wow. what it was, but it was like a long time ago when I lived in Richmond and I was still like in middle school or high school or something. Wow. And I I was looking for it when we were going to do this show and I couldn't find it. I think I may have thrown it away, unfortunately, because I mean, it was probably written like... When it was like, well, we're we're welcoming the upcoming George W. Bush as president. So <laughs> exactly. we don't so know how President Lincoln's going to work out, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, never yeah. know. Noth- nothing can ever go wrong with this economy. Um, <laughs> we think he'll be one and done. What do you think? He may be very lame duck. Um, so, um, do you, uh, Len, uh, do you want to? You, you said you're excited about um, getting this book out. Um, do you want to explain why and? Kind of why Washington D.C. and how this makes how, how Washington D.C. is different than a theme park. It, it, in a lot of ways, it's the same. So, uh, so my personal reason for doing D.C. is this: you guys will 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 find this amusing. Um, in two years, I'm going to go to Paris and write the unofficial guide to Paris. And Washington D.C. with its uh, concentration of museums and transportation is the most like Paris of any city on the East Coast. Yeah, so I can see that. So my interest in doing it was, you know, can we build the kind of tools that we have on, on touringplans.com for, for theme parks and can we adapt them to cities? And if we can, what's the, what's the easiest city to test it on where, you know, we're not spending days and days and days in travel and, you know, we can all get there relatively quickly. So it was Washington, D.C. So the, um, the interesting thing that we did behind the scenes is when you're, when you're reading the descriptions of like all the different paintings in the National Gallery here, all of the different displays in air and space. We actually have the locations of all of those, just like we have attractions in a theme park. And we'll be able to give you a touring plan to see nice. all of those things. So, for example, if you say, look, I'm, I'm really interested in um, you know, impressionist paintings, we'll give you a touring plan automatically that says, here's all the, here are all the locations that have impressionist paintings. And here's a multi-day touring plan that you can follow to see the best of those things. You know whether it's you know the National Gallery or um, uh, Renwick or you know any any other uh, any other uh, museum like that. So, from from a behind the scenes perspective, being able to make it into an app was was super interesting for us. Cool. Um, I guess what what were some special challenges that you that popped up um, <laughs> doing a DC book? Besides, I mean the murder rate and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> DC was not bad. It was uh, so it was challenging for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, the average museum has many hundreds of paintings. Mm-hmm. If not, I think the National Gallery actually has more than a thousand. Um, so this isn't a place like Adventureland where you've got three rides to write about. So for each each painting in the book, we actually gave a little bit about the artist, the school or movement. So again, impressionists or uh, you know whether it's cubism or whatever, and why this particular painting is 
is important. And that's actually very different from any other travel guide. We, I, I, before I wrote the book, I went back and uh, we actually took sort of a data science approach to looking at, uh, at the competition. So we looked at what other people covered um, and then we decided to go our own way. So one of the things that we did with the paintings was we only concentrated on the things that people go to. And this was this is an interesting an interesting difference. So I'll give you an example. The Air and Space Museum um, gets around nine million visitors a year. The National Post Office Museum, Postal Museum, gets like two hundred thousand. Okay, mm-hmm. there are some guidebooks where the Postal Museum will get an entire page, and Air and Space might get two pages. <laughs> but that, that that doesn't make sense because twenty times more people or, or thirty times more people are interested in, in air and space than the postal museum. So that's what we did. We, we gave air and space thirty times the coverage. So it's and we and we actually go through and we explain the historical significance of everything in every museum. And we kind of tell it as a story. Whether mm-hmm. it's you know the history of, of aviation in the United States or if it's um, at the uh, Museum of Natural History, if it's you know where we talk about the evolution of um, you know uh, Human bodies, we we kind of like put a, put it all into context for you because there's some instances where the museums do a great job at narrative, right? American mm-hmm. History Museum, it just tells fantastic stories, right? But then there are other museums that, uh, you know, you might you might walk into a room with 15 paintings and there's like you know 15 words on the on a on a board that say, you know, post impressionist France 1890 to 1910. That doesn't really tell you anything about the about the painting. So we actually described it all. So we actually did our own research for every single thing that we described in the book. That's really cool. Ooh, so I'll tell you this. This is actually kind of interesting. So in Air and Space, um, one of the things I did is I actually tried to figure out the backstory for every plane in the museum. Like, why is it here? Why is this particular plane in this museum? And I, and I approached it from, from the, the people who were running the museum. Like, if, if I was running the museum and I, and I put this plane here, why did I do it? So in the... In the first gallery called Early Flight, there are four real planes hanging from the ceiling, and each plane shows a different way of controlling the plane in flight. So one of them is a glider where you essentially shift your body around um, to make the plane go left or right or up and down. Another one um, is a, an early right plane where they, uh, they use something called wing warping, where they actually twist the wings to get yeah. it to turn. Yeah. Um, and then there's a Curtis plane that actually is one of the first to ever use ailerons, which we mentioned, um, mm-hmm. you know, is, is used on every plane now. But here's the interesting thing. So I'm going through the plane, uh, the planes, and I come to the um, to a lifting body. It's a, it's essentially, it's a, it's a, it's a wedge shape. It's almost, it's shaped like a, like a doorstop. Okay, it's a plane, uh, and it's, uh, I think it's the North, uh, it's a Lockheed uh, L2M3. Okay, mm-hmm. looks like a wedge, and there's this thing, you know, this display that says. Uh, you know, this is a lifting body. It generates shape. It, it generates lift, not through wings because it doesn't have wings, um, but through the shape of the body passing through the atmosphere. Okay, fairly interesting. But I went uh, on the research I did. I found out that um, it's the actual plane that, at the beginning of the six million dollar man intro, it's the plane that crashed. <laughs> <laughs> the actual plane itself. Like, and so I called up the uh, the guy from Air and Space. I'm like. Dude, I need you to. I need you to do two things. One, I need you to. I, I need you to verify this. And he's like, I'll "Look into it." I'm like, "Dude, they're only. They only built three of them. You've got one. How hard is this going to be?" Right? But the other thing was, and this is a true story. The guy that piloted the plane actually lived. 
So you guys remember from the $6 million man. I mean, that that was a terrible crash, right? Uh Uh-huh. The dude lived. He didn't walk away, but he had some serious injuries, but he lived. So I I wrote to Aaron Space. He's in terrible, terrible pain for the rest of his life, but he lived. (laughs) (laughs) But I wrote to Aaron Space, and I said, I I need you to say that you can neither confirm nor deny that he was made bionic after the crash. (laughs) (laughs) We can neither confirm nor deny that he was made bionic after the crash. (laughs) It was beautiful. And then the... uh, the aerospace people were super helpful to us. I mean, just you know, anything we needed, whether it was attendance numbers or you know, goofy things like that. They have these stories about like when celebrities come and visit, which I will not share here. But uh, <laughs> but oh my god, so funny, so funny. That's great, um, Nick. You visited DC before, along like me, um, along with me. Uh, do you have any questions for Len? Um, kind of stuff that you've seen there, or things that you your questions about the book. Uh, well. I kind of discovered we. I, I went up there without much of a plan last summer. Me and my wife, we just went up and we stayed in Virginia. And we we went over into D.C. for a few days and with not much of a plan at all. But um, with the touring plan, what do you? Is it gonna be like like where you pick what you want to see and it kind of lays it out for you? What's the best options for you to do at like the time of the day? Like you know, go to Native American Museum this time because nobody actually really goes there, so it's not that crowded type of stuff. So we actually give you a crowd calendar just like we do on the website where we'll tell you, um, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10 how busy everything's going to be each day. And then we'll tell you for each particular um, museum the best time to go. So if you're going to Air and Space or you're going to Natural History, you want to get there, you know, 20, 30 minutes in advance on an average day. And um, for things like Fourth of July or Thanksgiving, you want to get there an hour in advance. And we'll tell you that. But um, we also give you uh, cool tips. You mentioned uh, Native American. One of the things that I, I, I love telling people is this. If you're at Air and Space, go to Native American for lunch. It's got a great cafeteria. It's around the corner from Air and mm-hmm. Space, and there's no one there during the middle mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, a cool museum, too. It is. It's a really good museum. They've got some really yeah. interesting things on, um, on uh, the different, uh, different tribes of belief systems on the sixth floor or mm-hmm. the top floor where you know, they'll say, you know, this is what we believe in. There's sort of like uh, displays that you can walk through and see things. My uh, my one complaint. Oh, and then it's and essentially it's a history of how the United States screwed over the Native Americans. Exactly, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> True story. I actually had to see that and the Holocaust Museum on the same day. Oh my god! Oh. And, I, and I went home and drank. I was like, I can't. This <laughs> people suck. <laughs> yeah. was no, nothing like the Trail of Tears right into the Holocaust to really lighten up it's a day. <laughs> it was just. The Native Americans were sort of well know the you know the story and things like that, but like the Holocaust Museum, the th- thing that was the most astounding about that was they did they do an excellent job on the presentations. But you, you ever wonder like you know how can seemingly rational Germans follow Hitler, and they do this entire display of of how it happened little by little, you know day by day and you know block by block how people got converted. And you're like, I came away from it. And I actually said this in the book. I'm like, if you think it can't happen here, you're wrong. Yeah, no, because it's, like, it's it's little by little. It was just it was the most depressing thing. It, you know, really, really well done museum. I've never um, been to that one. Oh, depressing as hell, but um, but again, really, really well done. So, yeah, Sean, do you have any questions? I didn't know you've been to DC. I live like two and a half hours away from DC. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been to DC. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I think it's cool. I didn't even know you guys were doing this, and I think it's cool. And I think you, your your point about Paris, I've been to Paris too. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. They are, you know, sort of comparable about how you're getting around and what you're doing at each city. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
I love Paris. I'll volunteer to help you with the Paris one. <laughs> so, well, I'll let you know when we're hiring. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the other thing about about DC that that came off really well was um, Brian McNichols helped uh, helped write a lot of the uh, the attraction description stuff. So you know Brian hadn't really done any major writing for us. So I um, when you you know when you have new uh, authors, you kind of want to bring them along slowly and make sure that it's all going to work out. So I gave Brian the Martin Luther King um, Memorial. And he came back with such a such a great description of it. Like you know, this is this is what this is what it's about, and the, the the description explains why the memorial is actually carved out of a mountain, which I never knew before. He just did such a great job on it. I was really really proud of him. And I'm like here, and like as soon as he got that one thing done, I'm like here. Would you like to write half of my section for me? <laughs> <laughs> but he did a he did a really really uh, really really great job on it. We also did uh, we went together in December. And we did um, both the White House tour and the U.S. State Department diplomatic room tours. Have you guys ever done the State Department diplomatic room? No, I've no. So much better than the White House. Oh my God! <laughs> so the White House, it's you know, with the White House, I mean, you're you're visiting places that the first family never goes to, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's just separate tours. You go to the State Department diplomatic rooms, and first of all, not only is the thing completely filled with antique American furniture that if you if you like antique American furniture which I do literally every single thing is priceless in there and you can walk up and touch it except for the <laughs> fact that there are two security guards on either side of you all the time it's uh it's amazing but it's so you guys have heard of like you know Chippendale chairs or uh, you know Heppel White uh, chairs and stuff like that. These are the ones actually made by those people themselves, and we they've got them like you know along the hall where if you weren't careful, you could actually kick out a leg and break it. <laughs> you know, amazing. So, I mean, actual yeah. Paul Revere silver. Uh, it, I mean, just amazing, amazing rooms. Super, super nice. I remember you posting some photos on Twitter from there. I think. Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun. I really like that, and everyone is super cool at the State Department too. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was really, really nice. I really liked it a lot. A lot of those things you've got to you've got to talk to your congressman about. So one of the things we put in the book is, if you're um if you're wanting to go, this is how far in advance you have to contact the um you know your your uh, your representative to get it done because like mine could never get me into the White House. We ended up having to use Brian's representative. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, super yeah. fun. Nice. Um, I have one last question. Um. And that is, and that pertains more to food because I love food. Who doesn't love food? Um, how did you pick the restaurants that you feature in the DC book? Because there are just so many restaurants in Washington DC. Like yeah. it's not like Disney World where it's like we're going to cover the ones in the hotels and the parks, and then we're all good. You know, it's like almost like picking like like reviewing souvenir stands in I four or something or I drive. Just absolutely yeah. ridiculous. So we um so Eve Zebart is um the author that wrote the um the food stuff. She's the former food writer for the Washington Post. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh so Eve knows Eve knows everything there is to know about food in Washington DC. She's uh she's she actually has this great story of how um you guys have heard of the Japanese restaurant Nobu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She uh she tells the story of her being at a dinner party one time hosted by the Nobu guy himself whatever his name is. And he calls her into the kitchen saying, I need help finishing preparation and plating this food. You know, will you do it? So she spent the evening essentially dishing food out with Nobu in the kitchen of his, of his house in D.C. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> amazing. As, yeah. as one does. As one does, exactly. Yeah. Everyone, everyone has a cocktail story like that, right? No, she did a great job. She knows everything there is to know about food in, uh, in D.C. And some of the places, you know, Brian and I have been to, too, are, 
are really good too. So um, I, I tend to go to places near the museums that you know are quick and easy okay. for families, and you've concentrated on the the really great dining. Nice. Yeah, because there were some really good write-ups I was I remember reading in there. Just small places that cost yeah. a bunch of money and absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, sounds delicious. But really good stuff. And DC is kind of an expensive city anyway, just because of the nature oh, yeah. of yeah. of what it is. So. Yeah. Yep, I under oh I understand totally. My aunt, um, my aunt when she was working in Oberlin in their um in one of their departments, she took a uh, re- um she took a sabbatical and lived in DC for about 18 months. Really? Yeah, and she worked at the Postal Museum because she just needed to get away from her job. So oh, no, she I had said, she had I an said apartment. Nobody visits the Postal Museum. She's going to be mad at me. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's fine. She doesn't know. She doesn't know about the show. It's okay. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain. It's like it, Aunt Teresa. It's okay. Len's cool. N- yeah. Nothing against the Postal Museum. I'm just saying relative to, you know, airspace. I, I don't know, Len. You know how the Postal Service gets getting angry. I, I, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I the, oh, my God. I made the Postal Service mad. Oh, this is the end. Um, but yeah. Fragile package, huh? <laughs> but yeah, she like ran Because the mail never stops, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, she rented out like a one-bedroom, like – not even a one bedroom. It was like a studio apartment, and it was just a buttload of money, like in two thousand. Yeah, no, so, they're insane. And absolutely parking, crazy. Parking is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Any other uh, questions, Lane, Sean, for uh, Washington D.C.? I'm good. I'm good. Cool. Um, Lynn, did y'all like? I know that you said that y'all kind of spent time on like, um you know, what people go to the most and what mm-hmm. they went to the least. Did you like do anything though? Cause you know, like when you're just walking around DC, there's like these random statues to these people who did these things in history and stuff. Oh yeah. So did y'all like document any of that stuff? And we did, we did that? it all. Um, so Brian actually does these great walking tours of every neighborhood, whether it's, you know, Logan circle or DuPont circle or, uh, you know, Farragut Western North. And he'll say, you know, if you start, in, if you start in the, on this block and you walk, you know, three blocks east, there's a statue of Ulysses Grant. It was, um, you know, put up in 1871 by veterans of the Civil War, stuff like that. But he'll do all of those individual things. I think that the the thing that's – and so he does that for, for every every neighborhood. Really, really great stuff. The um, the interesting thing about, um, about that is that it doesn't take up as much of the book relative to, say, other books. So, I mean, there are other guidebooks that have – you know, half a page on this one Ulysses Grant statue, and it may be the be the best Ulysses Grant statue ever. But, dude, it's a statue. Right. <laughs> so, so we do that. Though. Yeah. Anyway, so it was, uh, it was. I mean, it's not to disparage any other book. Everyone's got their style, right? But it's yeah. we focus on the things that people want to read. So, okay, nice, cool, nice. Anything else, Nick? Uh, that's about it. Cool. Well, awesome. going in from the best restaurants in Washington D.C. To the thing that I was most interested in that you were tweeting about this past few weeks was the $50 hotel <sighs> roundup in Orlando. Do you want oh, to- God. It was in Orlando? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Did you have to stay in them? Yeah. So that's the... Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So hold on. Let's... Do you, Len, do you want to introduce the concept behind this, which I think is brilliant? Yeah. And then do you want to explain like where you went, your testing, all that stuff? Sure. So the, the deal is this. Um, every year in the unofficial guide, we have a list of the top 30 hotel deals, which uh, represents the best combination of price, amenities, uh, and location within Orlando. So you could be a really inexpensive hotel, um, and, but if you're you know, clean and safe 
and uh, convenient to Walt Disney World, you know, you'll be on the list. You know, conversely, if you're, you can be super, super expensive, but if we think you're totally worth it, you'll, you'll be on the list as well, right? So there's everything from, you know, what we would say would be, you know, three-star hotels, the Motel 6s of the world, all the way up to um, Shades of Green is on there, right? So, I mean, so fairly nice hotels. Um, and every year it's my goal to stay in as many of them as I can. That's number one is to check our work, right? To make sure that we, um, the places that we're recommending are actually good. And then, um, you number two, I just like trying to find a good inexpensive hotel, right? So for me, the holy grail of hotels is $50 a night or less, clean, safe, comfortable, and, you know, within a short drive to Disney World. So this year I picked, um, three hotels. So I, I and I, I change hotels every night when I'm in Orlando. Um, so doing that, I've stayed in more than a hundred offsite hotels plus all the Disney properties. Yeah. So, um, so this time I picked three, uh, under $50 and I read a $50 night hotels. Then I picked, um, the orange Lake hotel because a reader had complained about its cleanliness. Woo. I wish I had to explain to Laurel. Uh, I'll I'll get to that in a second. And then I picked the, uh, Staybridge suites off of, uh, 535 of Popica Vineland because it was really, you came in, uh, in our reader surveys is really highly rated. And I wanted to see what the fuss was. So, uh, so we drive down Thursday night, and our first hotel is um, a Motel 6 off of iDrive. And the Motel 6 is – it's actually – I wanted to stay at this Motel 6 for like 10 years because it was the first one in the country to adopt Motel 6's new design for rooms. So hardwood floors. Yeah. Triangle-shaped bathrooms, right? It's just supposed to be like really super modern. The one that you saw like in the Super Bowl ad or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So clean, modern, you know, well-designed, sort of like the IKEA of of hotel rooms. (laughs) And and I mean, I'm just I'm and we got it for like I think it was forty nine dollars a night with tax. So I mean, I was prepped to like the hotel. So we we walk into the hotel, and literally the first thing you see when you walk in is a big sign that says. By the way, Motel Six will tell local law enforcement when you check in. It'll give them. It'll give them. We'll give them your name just in case. Something like that, right? I don't remember exactly the. So I'm not, and I, I get why they do it, right? I, it, they want to make sure that the, the hotel is safe. But immediately, what's the first thing you think of when you see that sign? I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, we can. My thought was, Roll what, what the hell happened here? But they have to put that sign out, right? Yeah. What's the story behind this sign? Because you look at the sign, and it wasn't like hand scrawled. It was a it was a sign on you know Motel Six stationery, printed you know in, in, in the corporate font. So it looks like <laughs> this decision was made fairly highly up. It's like what, what, what's the story behind this sign? What what happened here? So we and the room was fine. I mean, it was perfectly safe. It's actually the, the most safe I felt for three nights was in that Motel Six, and I had a great night's sleep. It's a it's a wonderfully designed room. Um, but again, it's a fifty dollars net hotel. the The plumbing didn't work great. There was no water pressure, and I hate hotels without water pressure. Um, so you know it was okay. But the uh, we leave that and we go to the next night the Monumental Movie Land. Also, it's like literally right down the road uh, on one ninety two. <laughs> and the thing that threw us off there was. So they asked for two things. One, they asked for a photo of your driver's license, and they made a copy of it. I'm like, well, well, why? Why would you know? Disney doesn't make a copy of your driver's license. Why do you do it? And they're like, well, in case you steal something, we'll you know, we'll know who you are. And then the uh, the other thing was is you had to put down a two hundred dollar, a hundred or two hundred dollar security deposit, again, just in case. I'm like, dude, what 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 happens here that, that these policies are in place? But we we get to the room right, and 
there's no deadbolt on the door. Oh. First of all, the door lock itself, like the actual mechanism, is plastic. It's white plastic. And there's no deadbolt. There's like a little latch thing at the top, but I mean, my my daughter can break through one of those, right? (laughs) And the way that you the way that you lock the door is you push this little plastic button, which apparently prevents the other plastic parts from moving. It was so sketchy, but it was clean. The room was clean. Um, most of it worked. There were a couple of instances where – there's an instance where I turned on the hot water in the sink and water literally just shot out the back of the faucet. <laughs> All – I mean just gushes of water everywhere. I'm looking at this going, this, this can't be right. And then I, I go to take a shower, a hot shower, and I let the water run long enough that I'm like the, – the water did not get warm. And it took so long to get warm that I had already – run i think i listened to an entire song on pandora letting it run resigned myself to the fact that i was going to take a cold shower got in the shower was mentally you know, bracing my myself for you know that headache you get when you take really cold showers yeah mm-hmm. and then it started to warm up i'm like can we not turn the water heater on in the middle of the day but the the room was the the room felt so unsafe because of that lock when we went to disney springs that night we actually repacked everything back in the car <laughs> and put it, it, took, it took everything with us back to Disney Springs. So you trust then, the Disney Springs parking garage more than oh, that hotel? <laughs> question. So then the third hotel that we get to is the Knights Inn on uh, Main Gate on Kissimmee, which is $34 a night, the cheapest hotel that we oh were at. <laughs> we're pulling into this one. And first, uh, let me just say the staff is super nice. They were booked 100% the night before we got there, they were booked at almost 100% the night we were there. I get it. It's for what it is, a $34 night hotel. It was probably absolutely fine. I had not turned the car off, and Laurel was already on the phone with Disney trying to get a hotel room that night. She's like, there's no way I'm staying here. So we get in the hotel room, and again, it's, it's a little musty, right? $34 a night. The door like, doesn't have any weather stripping, so you can actually see sunlight streaming in around the door. Oh, oh no. The, um, the sink is like barely knee high. Like, stand up. Right now, and and look at your knees. That's how tall the sink was. <laughs> like like we had we had raised the floor, but didn't bother to raise the sink. And then the, this is the the funniest thing. I love this, and I should have taken a video of it. But the the armoire in which the the TV was sitting had two doors. The left door would not close. Like every time you closed it, it would automatically swing open again. And the right door in front of the TV would not stay open. Every time you opened it, it swing closed. <laughs> it's beautiful. So we ended up at the Wyndham uh, that night, which was fine. It's actually walking distance to uh, to Disney Springs. And I the, only thing that, last year. Yeah, the only thing that makes me mad about the Wyndham is you know, they tacked on like $40 in you know, taxes and fees yeah. on an $89 hotel room. Like, dude, come on. Yeah. Just, just tell me how much it's going to cost. Um, but the window was fine. The next night we were at the Orange Lake, which I loved. Um, a reader had complained about it about cleanliness. You had read some about something about it in its um, in the TripAdvisor reviews, but uh, this was spectacular. Everything worked. Everything was clean. We actually didn't leave that night. Um, we did some laundry and watched some TV because just sort of enjoying the fact that there uh, it was a nice hotel room to be in for once. Um, but the best hotel was the Staybridge Suites on on five thirty five. This one is this one's a find, man. $124 a night, two-bedroom suite, full kitchen, um, super, super, super clean. It's, uh, it sits between two uh, shopping centers. One of them has a Mexican place, El Patron, my favorite, um, a Chinese place and an Indian place. The other shopping center has an ABC store. Ooh, so, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, never need to leave, man. Never need to leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know where it is. I know where it is. Yeah. yeah, and it was fantastic. Um, 
It's near, um, uh, it's fairly near where all the CPs live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right, it's right, right on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, if you, if you went back a little ways, I'm, I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, but I really like the state version. That was 124 net with tax. And um, if you've got, you know, if you've got little kids, that versus a Disney value resort, especially, uh, uh, you know, given the fact that it, you could stay in the living room or in the kitchen and have the kids in either bedroom. So this was a two bedroom, two bath, had a living room, had a kitchen, spotlessly clean. They do free breakfast every morning. They do snacks and wine at night. Can't be wow. really, really happy with that. Yeah, if any, if any of your listeners uh, happen to get a chance to check it out, let me know how it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the photos of the kitchen. It looks like a really modern apartment. Like yeah. everything looks really nice and cool. I mean, lots of they give you uh, not one but two coffee packets, you know. <laughs> and they've got, I mean, they've got they've got stuff. They've got cooking pans and plates, and it's almost like a DVC mm-hmm. for 124 dollars a night. No, I really, really liked it a lot. Yeah, it looks really nice. good. Um, yeah, man. Oh. This is, I I, re- I I remember tweeting at you when you're doing this, and and it, it just looks absolutely, it's it just one of those crazy lens stories that I just had to ask about. <laughs> just doing the fifty dollar tells. Um, the true. other one, the one funny thing you mentioned, you forgot to mention, I loved um, was the Knights in Main Gate. Um, <laughs> they had the the, the uh, light fixture in the ceiling. Oh yes, yeah, so this is a. <laughs> So I, I, I did this in the blog post, but they, uh, you know, every room has a light fixture in the ceiling, right? These guys, so imagine, a, a picture, if you will, the, the room is a rectangle, right? And so it's got a long bottom, a long top, and a short, two short sides. And the door is on one of the short sides. If you were going to put a light in that hotel room, where would you put the light? You'd put it in the middle, right? <laughs> These guys put it in the farthest corner closest to the to the window, to the door that they could. Like, like literally they must have said, what's the least amount of wire that I can use to install Probably. this light and still say it's, quote, inside the hotel room. And one of the, one of the lights was, one of the light bulbs was dead too, which made it even better. I mean, the pictures don't do it justice. It was, it was dark in there. And again, everyone there was super nice. I, I can totally see if you need a place to stay in Orlando, I can, I can rationalize you know, doing it. Would I do it on vacation with my family? Probably not. No. That's great. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, do you guys have any questions for Len? No. No. Good. Um, no. I think that about covers it for tonight. Uh, thank you for joining us, Len. It's it's always a fun time having you on and talking and having a good time. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, where can we find you online? You want to um, pimp your locations and all sorts of fun stuff? Sure. I'm uh, I'm Len of touringplans.com and the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World. And also I'm on Twitter at, <laughs> at Lentesta. Cool. And also we can uh, listen to the uh, unofficial guide to uh, Disney World, uh, the podcast with Jim Hill. Yes, that's right. The unofficial guide to Disney World podcast with Jim. Yeah. In fact, that Jim and I have a, uh, have a podcast up where we, uh, during all this hotel stuff, we visited all the theme parks and uh, the Holy Land experience. Oh, so, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> It was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, really well done. I, I came away with a vastly different uh, opinion of it going in. We'll, we'll have to come out on the show and talk about it. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. Um, and also, when we, if we're ever down in Orlando again at the same time, we should all do uh, Trinity Golf at Holy Land Experience. It's not open yet. It's, oh, the first thing we asked is like, dude, when's we open? Like, they said sometime around Easter. And insert your own joke there. Yeah. <laughs> Makes Not sense. The third hole, the mini golf rose again. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So, Nick, where can we find you at? 
It's at Parkscope Nick on Twitter. Awesome. Sean, no one can really follow you anywhere. So I tweet on the Parkscope account the most though. If yeah, if someone's trolling you or there's a gif, it's probably Sean. Yes. Yep. Uh Lane Accurate. Lane, where can we find you at? At CapMichael87. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh you can find me at Parkscope Joe. Uh, you can find all of us at Parkscope.net and at Parkscope on Twitter. Uh, leave us an iTunes review. Yeah. Go on Stitcher, because I think that's something people use. I'm not sure about Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah, I know. Do I, you I, use it? No. <laughs> okay. I think someone Stitchers, asked for Stitcher Stitchers once. Stitchers get Stitchers? I guess so. <laughs> Stitchers get Stitchers. Pretty much. What, what prison were you in? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, on behalf of everyone, thank you. Um, Kungaloosh, have a good night. Uh, Love everybody, hate everything.